Um, if I haven't had the chance to meet you yet, my name is Stephen, and I am incredibly excited to be sharing from uh, the Gospel of John with you today. So um, if you don't have a Bible, go ahead and uh, we'll, we'll pass some out. And we're going to be in John chapter 13, so just raise your hand if you need a Bible. And as we are uh, turning in our Bibles to John chapter 13, I want to ask you, if you knew that you only had 24 hours to live, what would you do with that time? And, you know, we might have some different answers, but uh, I tried to answer that myself and, you know, spend time with loved ones, call people I probably should have called a long time ago and, and talk to them. Um, I, I might spend some time alone. <laughs> I might have some things to process, some things to go through. Um, some of us, I don't know, we might, we might uh, want to just empty our bank account and go spend every dollar that we have and, and go live it up, right? Um, but in John chapter 13, we are going to see how Jesus spends his last hours alive, some of his last hours. So <clears throat> in John chapter 13, just starting in verse 1, we'll, uh, we'll read through... Um, 17. It says, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and, taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with a towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you, are, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, the one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you, for he knew who was to betray him. That was why he said, not all of you are clean. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If, then, if I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Heavenly Father, would you just... Um, Clear our minds of any distractions as we uh, study your word this morning. Would you clear our hearts of anything standing between us and your spirit speaking to us? Lord, would you open our eyes to the truth of your word? And would you just um, make our hearts tender, Lord, to receive what it is you're speaking to us? And uh, yeah, Lord, we, we give this time to you. We give our hearts to you. And we want to honor you with our minds this morning as we think through these things and as we allow them to shape uh, how we live our lives, Lord. So we thank you and we praise you. Amen. So again, this is, this is leading up to Jesus's betrayal and arrest and uh, ultimately his murder, his crucifixion. 
and death is hours away, and Jesus, he knows that. He knows that his hour has come. And in the Gospel of John, we hear repeatedly about uh, Jesus' hour. And before this time, uh, we've actually heard repeatedly that his hour had not yet come. His hour had not yet come. His hour had not yet come. Um, but then ar- around this time, we're told that uh, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. And then as we read here in in 13, it says that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father. Now we know that part of Christ departing out of this world and ascending back into heaven to the Father, uh, part of that process, part of that story, is his death. And so... Jesus' hour isn't a a literal 60-minute period, but rather the series of events starting at this Passover feast and ultimately resulting in his ascension to the Father to be glorified, it encompasses all of those things. It includes betrayal by man and acceptance by God. It includes uh, death at the hands of men and a resurrection by the power of God. It includes a temporal shame for Jesus, and it includes an everlasting glory for Jesus. It covers all of those things. And the timing of Jesus's hour was not arbitrary. It was ultimately in God's hands, not man's hands. Uh, In chapter 7, John tells us that uh, Jesus... uh, he was actually near, he was nearly arrested, and the, the Jewish leaders sought to arrest him, but it says that nobody laid a hand on him because his hour had not yet come. Now, they were trying to arrest Jesus, but God wouldn't let that happen outside of the sovereign timing um, that he saw fit for, for all of these events to happen. So, ultimately, Jesus' hour is, is in God's hands, and so as these things are about to unfold, Jesus is... is about to allow his own betrayal. He's about to allow his own arrest, and he's about to allow his own crucifixion. Now, they had traveled to be here at this Passover feast in the Middle East, in sandals, walking. That's how they went about. So as you can imagine, their feet were pretty dirty. They got pretty filthy. And um, they arrive at this this house where they're enjoying the the Passover meal together. Um, And nobody had cleaned their feet yet. And so they're, they're eating, they're enjoying fellowship with one another with dirty feet. And it was customary in those days that there would be some water and a, a towel um, when you arrived at somebody's home and the host or a servant or, or maybe even yourself, you, you might wash your own feet um, and you'd clean up your feet as you begin enjoying fellowship and a, and a meal with people. And that was, uh, that was very common in their day. And that hadn't happened yet. And you certainly wouldn't expect somebody who you saw as a leader or your teacher to do that for you. So it's, it's a little bit of an awkward, awkward timing. They're enjoying a meal, and Jesus, their teacher, their leader, their Lord, and they, John, uh, excuse me, Peter knew that Jesus was his Lord, gets down, or he, he gets up, he goes and he re- gets a towel, he gets a, a, a basin of water, and he begins to wash their feet. So it's interesting that Jesus' hour, it encompasses the most far, uh, the, the, the most magnificent event in all of human history, right? Provision for salvation for all of humankind. Every single person on the planet, for all times, in all places. It's the most far-reaching, most powerful thing uh, in all of human history. And what does Jesus do right before this? He does 
what is in comparison seemingly the, the smallest act of service leading up to that magnificent offer of salvation. So from, from the greatest act of love for all humanity to the, the seemingly small and in, uh, what, what seems to be insignificant, what we see is that the same love that motivated Christ to go to the cross motivated him to wash his disciples' feet and that Jesus actually cares about the small things. Jesus cares about the small things in your life, in my life, and so often I, I forget that. You know, I think about the big things. You know, Jesus died on the cross to uh, offer salvation and eternal life for me, but then I forget that he cares for me day to day. I forget that he blesses me day to day. And I, I forget that that's a genuine compassion for the small things, for my dirty feet. And I, I, I just, I take that for granted sometimes. And um, the interesting thing is, that uh, I lost my train of thought there, but <laughs> the the interesting thing is that yes, there's an there's there's a model here. There's an example. He's trying to teach us something. There's a, there's a little bit of a deeper meaning to this foot washing, and there's different layers to it. But it truly is motivated out of love and care for his disciples. He's not trying to uh, deceive us and pretend that he's acting like a servant, but, but really, uh, you know, there, there, there's something else going on. Um, he really is acting as a servant and loving his disciples here. It's a genuine compassion, a genuine love for his disciples. How would our lives be different if we remembered that, you know, Jesus remembers, or Jesus thinks of the small things in our lives? And, um, you know, we, we, we have Thanksgiving coming up, and this is a time when most people tend to think of the things that they've been blessed with that they're thankful for. And usually whenever I try to start one of those lists or one of those Facebook, you know, posts, you know, post every day, one of those types of things, I try to think about the, the big things that God has blessed me with, um, and I ignore the small things. But if I started to think and count the small things, man, that list, that, that list would just go on and on and on and on and on. And how would that change my attitude towards God and my relationship with God if I just acknowledged how he how he loves and serves and, and blesses me in the small things. It would be uh, an incredible change of, of attitude. So now there, there is a practical side to this foot washing, but there, there is also a spiritual aspect to this. And there is another layer to this. And we see that um, spiritually, this foot washing is a, is a, it signifies Jesus washing his disciples' hearts. So there's a couple things that, that tip us off to this spiritual reality of what Jesus is doing. Um, first, uh, let's read verses six and seven. Jesus, he came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, what I'm doing, you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. So there's something about just this, this practical event that Peter just doesn't under, understand. But Jesus is saying, after all these events unfold, after I die for the sins of, of mankind, that'll put things into context. That'll connect the dots for you. That'll help you see um, what's really going on here. So it's not just washing dirt off of their feet. There's a, a, a spiritual um, layer or a spiritual meaning to what he's doing by cleansing their feet. The second thing we see that tips us off to the spiritual meaning of him washing his disciples' feet um, is that this entire interaction is symbolic of Christ's ministry. 
I mean, if you think about it, we have him taking off his, his outer robe, his outer garment, and um, setting that aside and taking on the form of a servant. Um, we have him putting a towel around his waist, which is really interesting that he, he puts a towel on himself. He's not just holding it in his hands. He, he puts the towel around himself. And then he goes with this basin of water and he's washing their feet one by one by one. And I don't know if you've ever, let's say, like tried to wash a car before with a little bucket of water. And, you know, you can get all the gunk off, but that bucket of water is going to get pretty filthy pretty quick. And it's like, ugh, that's definitely not clean water by the time you get partway through. And, you know, 24 stinky, dirty feet that have just been walking through the dust and the dirt, that water's going to get pretty filthy pretty quick. And so he's, he's washing their, their feet with this, this water that is dirty water. But then he's taking the towel and wiping that filth, wiping that dirt onto himself. And he's, he's literally taking their filth onto himself. And then when, he's, when he has completed this cleansing, he puts his outer garment back on and resumes his place. So it sounds an awful lot to me like uh, what we read in Philippians chapter 2 when it speaks of Jesus and it says, though he was in the form of God, did not account equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So it's like a mirror image of, of Jesus taking on the form of a servant, cleansing us, and then going back to his proper place and being glorified. Now, there's an, uh, another interesting spiritual aspect to this that kind of explains what's happening, and that's in verses 8 and 11 that we see. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, the one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was to betray him, and that was why he said, not all of you are clean. So it's kind of a, an interesting exchange, and, and Peter's not tracking with all of it, but um, Jesus makes it clear he's not just talking about washing their, their physical feet. Um, he says that not all of you are clean, and he's referring to Judas, who is about to betray him. Now, he washed Judas's feet. So what Jesus is saying here is, we're talking about the heart. We're talking about having a clean heart. And he tells Peter, uh, there's this interesting idea of, of being bathed, which uh, has a, a meaning of being, being fully washed, head to toe. You took a shower this morning. You are clean. And he tells Peter, and you are clean. But your feet still need to be washed. There's still a little bit of maintenance that needs to, to happen. And what he's saying is, Jesus has been saved. He has been born again. He has, the, he has salvation. He's put his faith in Christ. He's been washed. But there's still sin that needs to be washed off from time to time. And in our walk with God, we, we see that to be the case, that we are clean. We are made right with God. But we still accumulate dirt in our hearts throughout the day throughout the week, that we need to let God clean and wipe off of us. We need to have that, that maintenance done on our heart. 
And, you know, Peter isn't quite as uh, stubborn as, as I used to think. He's just very strong-willed. Because look at how quickly he makes a 180. He goes from, you will never wash my feet, to, Lord, wash all of me. And that's the type of quick response we should have to sin in our hearts. That periodic cleansing that we should be letting the Lord do in our hearts is as soon as it comes to our attention that we have done something wrong, running to the Lord quickly to let him cleanse that. Because the cost is closeness with Christ. If we don't have that, if we don't let the Lord do that, the cost is closeness with Christ. And that's what Peter was unwilling to sacrifice and why he made such a quick about face. Because that's what Jesus said to him, isn't it? If I do not wash you, you have no share with me. You have no part with me. There's no fellowship here. I can't walk alongside you if you don't let me wash you. Now, imagine, if you will, walking in the dirt, in sandals, getting your feet all crummy, and doing that for five years. And this is hypothetical, right? Because nobody would ever do that, uh, and you'd be disgusting if you did. But five years, not a single drop of water, not a single brushing off of your feet, just going in sandals everywhere you went. You'd be one interesting person. And uh, it's, it's, it's crazy. It's ridiculous. Um, five years of doing that. And I can tell you, I actually did that in my heart for five years. See, I'd been hurt, and I thought that I could hang on to that hurt. Um, you know, as a kid, and it wasn't until I was a, a teenager that I let God wash me. Um, and I had, been, I had been fully washed. I was a, a believer. I had been saved. But I didn't let God wash my feet, so to speak. I didn't let God clean up my heart and deal with sin that was growing in my heart and accumulating and building for five years. And so things like bitterness and anger and self-pity and hatred and despair I let grow in my heart without, I wanted to give the rest of my life to God, and I wanted closeness with God, but without letting him to wash me of that thing, it cost me closeness with God for five years. And I just want to encourage you, don't do that. <laughs> Don't do that. If there's sin in your life, it's something that you're aware of, something that you know, you know, I'm not right before God. I have this thing. Don't, don't let that grow. Don't let that build. And don't think that it's going to take care of itself. Don't think that you can clean yourself up. Uh, whether it's uh, an unwillingness to love and serve others, whether it's uh, pride, whether it's what you did last night, or this weekend, or this morning, if there's something there, turn to God quickly and let him wash you quickly. Don't wait. A quickly repentant Christian is a Christian who's close to Christ. So let it be quick. Now, let's look at verse 12 here. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garment and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, for you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Blessed are you if you do them. Blessed are you if you 
serve one another the way that Christ modeled servanthood, the way that he has served us. Blessed are you, not if you agree that Jesus was a good teacher and that you know, him washing the disciples' feet was a good thing to, for him to do. It's not blessed are you if you I, uh, agree with the idea of serving people. It's not blessed are you if you, you know, fill in the blank. Uh, you just have this, this heart of a, agreement. Yeah, that's, that's good. Maybe I'll do that someday. Uh, it's not blessed are you if you serve the people that are easy to serve, that you like. It's blessed are you if you do these things. Blessed are you if you actually serve others. And I, I keep going back to Psalm 1, which is one of my favorite passages in Scripture. Um, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, uh, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, and it... it Whose, whose leaf does not wither and whatever he does shall prosper. There's this prosperous life for the person who delights in the law of God. And what is the law of God? Well, one way to put it simply is just the things that he has commanded us to do. And another word for, for blessed or, or that idea, that understanding is, oh, how happy is the man who delights in the law of God. Oh, how happy is the man who delights in what God has commanded us. Oh, how happy is the man who delights in serving others. And so I think that there is a, a connection here that, because um, again, thinking back to my own life, those five years, how focused do you think I was able to be on meeting the needs of others and serving others while having that dirt in my heart? Not very. So when you allow God to cleanse your heart, that's what gives you the freedom to, uh, that's what restores closeness with Christ and communion with Christ. And that's also what gives you the the freedom to go out and love others the way that, that Christ calls us to love others, to take the focus off of ourselves and then to go and serve others. And I, I think it's really interesting that Jesus who through whom all things were made and for whom all things were made, he took on the form of a servant and he washed dirty feet, showing us that there is not a, a, a task out there that is beneath a Christian to perform. There's not a single thing that we can say, you know, oh, I'm, a, I'm above that or I'm above those people even. There's not a single thing. And if you ever think you found something like that, when thinking about this passage, what that shows is if I ever think that that's beneath me, I think that I'm, that I'm better than Jesus. <laughs> really? I think I'm better than Jesus if I'm not willing to, to do that task or to serve that person. I think that I'm better than Jesus. That's what that would show. And it, it's, it's really interesting. So we don't, see the, we don't see this in John's account, but in Luke's account of this, this evening, we see that the disciples were arguing who was the greatest among them. <laughs> Which one of us is the best? Oh, well, I've done this. Well, I, I've uh, done all these things for, for the Lord. I've done all these things for God. I've, I've followed all of these commandments. And Jesus is showing them, hey, what you think makes somebody great, I'm turning that, up, I'm turning that upside down for you. I'm, I'm flipping that on its head. It's not about your accomplishments or your accolades or your position. It's about how well you 
love and serve other people. That's the heart that Christ wants to see. Um, the worship team can, can come back up as we, as we close. But I just want you to, to think about that. Um, who in my life is God calling me to serve? Or, or what avenues do I have to serve? And I'm going to force you to think about the hard things, not the easy things, like the people who you want to serve, the things that are easy for you to engage in, in serving with. Um, you know, maybe it's the people, maybe it's the coworker that you don't like. <laughs> the, the person in your life, the family member, that is harder to love, harder to have a tender heart towards, harder to serve, to do something for them, to wash the dishes for. <laughs> Whatever that thing is, you know, what, what area of our lives do we need to be more Christ-like and love and serve one another in? And I've been here for six years at, at this church, and I can tell you I've seen so many servants in this body, Amen. right? Um, every Sunday morning, going to small groups, all throughout the week, outside of organized church events, you text somebody, you call somebody, I see people filling so many needs, and this is a place where I have seen so many people love with the love of Christ and serve one another. So maybe, maybe you're here with us and you're like, gosh, I'm in a time of need right now. We have people who want to love you and serve you. And I would say, don't leave here thinking, well, that, that was great. You know, we sang some songs, we read some scripture, and then I just made a, made a you know, booked it for the door and, and took off without having anything happen in my heart before God or with other people. And I didn't tell anybody about what the Lord's been doing in my life. I didn't ask anybody for prayer. I didn't ask anybody to, you know, talk through this thing that I'm going through. We want to love you and we want to serve you and we want to be here for you. And if you came in and you're like, you know what? I, I don't feel a great need. I feel like uh, I am close with the Lord. I'm, I'm, I'm doing great. We want you to be one of those people who loves and serves others and snag somebody before they head out the door and, uh, and talk with them and pray with them. I would encourage you, just build that community. Talk with people. Get involved in a group. Get involved with people at this church and love one another and serve one another. And maybe you're driving home and somebody comes to mind and you're like, yeah, I should have called them three months ago. I, you know what? Call that person. That's an act of love and service to call that person and talk with them and see how you can pray for them. See what's going on in their life. And it might not always be easy to love one another the way that Christ loves us, but I can guarantee you that it'll be worth it, it'll be fulfilling, and that God will bless you for that. So uh, I believe we have one or two more songs that we're going to sing. But as we close in prayer and we, we worship God, I would say, if God is speaking to you today, if he wants to do something in your heart, don't go home without actually listening to him. Don't go home without responding to him. Don't go home without talking to somebody about it. We have people who want to listen to you, pray with you, encourage you. And maybe there is that dirt in your heart and you realize it and you're like, yeah, I know exactly what that is and I've gone too long without letting Jesus do that maintenance, without Jesus washing my heart, without Jesus taking care of some things that aren't going to work themselves out that aren't going to go away if I just stop thinking about them. Give that to the Lord. Let him wash that from you. Let him take that upon himself. 
He's ready and waiting to do that. That's what he wants to do. And you don't have to be ashamed to come to the Lord for that. He is ready and waiting to restore that closeness with him. Let him cleanse you. Let him wash you. And maybe you've never done that. Maybe you've never been bathed head to toe by God and said, you know what? I'm going to trust the Lord to cleanse me. I'm going to trust God and put my faith in God. I believe that what Jesus did on the cross can wash away my sins and restore relationship with God and that, that he wants to give me eternal life in him. I would, I would encourage you to think about that, to consider that, and to take God up on that offer and make that decision to place your faith in Jesus today and not to wait and not to think that life will somehow sort itself out on its own without Jesus cleansing you and washing you. So we're going to just spend a a minute in prayer. And this is just a time for you to speak to God and respond to him. If you feel like his word and what, what he is speaking to you through his word today is calling you to action, I would encourage you to, to step out in faith and trust God and give him the thing that might be hard to give to him in this moment. And then walk alongside your brothers and sisters at this church who want to help walk the Christian life with you. Heavenly Father, I pray for all of us here who need, uh, need some foot washing, need some some heart care. And we've placed our faith in you. We believe that you are the only way, that you are the, the way, the truth, and the life. But God, we've been letting some gunk build up in our hearts that we haven't realized or, or, or we've just been ignoring and it's been accumulating. Maybe it's something that we feel we deserve to hang on to. But God, your spirit is convicting us to release to ask you for forgiveness for holding on to that and allowing you to cleanse us and and take that from us. God, I pray that hearts would be willing to make that choice today to let you wash our hearts clean because there's a cost if we don't. And we won't experience that closeness, Lord, with you if we don't let you do that. So I would encourage these hearts in this room, Lord, who need who need that, Lord, not to wait, not to ignore it, not to let it accumulate and build up and don't expect it to get any better without you, Lord, but to give that over to you. And Lord, I pray if there's anybody here who has not let you wash them in the fuller sense, they have not decided ever to put their faith in you, to trust you, to ask you to forgive their sins and to stop living for themselves, Lord, and to live for you instead. If there's anybody here, Lord, who feels that call that that you're calling them to, Lord, that they would make that decision, that they would place their faith in you, that they would turn to you for forgiveness in faith, Lord, and that you would cleanse them and give them eternal life, that they would begin to trust you and follow you from this day forward. And Lord, would you help all of us to serve one another with all love and humility following the model that you yourself lived. And Lord, would you just bless this church and bless the rest of our evening as we, um, Lord, walk in 
with, with, with clean hearts, Lord. And service in, in life lived for you and lived for others, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen.